I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Don't tell the other podcasts. I should go. We are going. We are going. Sick. We're going. <laughs> now go. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> Faster. <laughs> we got places to be. <laughs> that's right so normally when we do these cold opens um we usually have this really funny exchange that happens before or during or after we just kind of splice it in but sometimes i realize doing it on the spot i had this great thing prepared and then i had nothing (laughs) oh but then i realized wait it's october isn't it that's true <laughs> it is I, Adrian, and you are listening to the most devilishly coolish hysterical podcast known as Talking Like a Ghost. I think that's the name. Hold on, what's that cut? Wait, what's the name of the podcast again? It's definitely Talking Like a Ghost. Or Talking with a Ghost? It's Talking with a Ghost, yes. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing so much. Why do evil people always cackle like a lunatic? <laughs> I can't do this. This hurts. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> like, I'm trying to like do a bit. It's Halloween and I'm trying to sell this and I'm I realize you're letting the asthmatic do this. <laughs> I know, but you're better at bits than I am. <laughs> Alright, hold on. <clears throat> me, 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 me. This is the intro. I'm not cutting anything. This is perfect as it is. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) All right. I'm going to try this one more time and not die. Okay. All right. Cue the music. (laughs) It is I, Adrian. Shit, I'm trying to, like, not do, like, Tales from the Crypt because, like, I'm not trying to get sued. (laughs) Isn't that guy dead? Well, yes, he's dead. Yes, he's dead. He was dead before the show started. Um, (laughs) I meant the the voice actor, but okay. That works, too. Wait, hold on. I got to work in more, like, Halloween puns. This is a, a really funny episode. Uh, make no bones about it. <laughs> Shit. Okay, let's keep going. You will die of laughter. See, now I'm, I can't. Oh, my God. This is bad. <laughs> All right. You know what? I give up. I was trying to do something cool and spooky, but <sighs> anyway. Ooh, cue the theme music. Ooh, at SummerSlam, Undertaker will fight Rick <laughs> See, but my ghost always sounds like Paul Bear. Ah, uh, great. See, now John Cena's here. I don't know where he is, but... All right. Halloween's canceled. Cut to the theme song. I was walking with the It is I, Adrian, is back. You are listening to Talking with the Ghost, the show where we have a tendency to rush back into our afterlife. <laughs> no, it's actually it's just talking like a teen. Um, I am Jack Skellington. And I'm Casper the Friendly Ghost. Ooh, first off, why the fuck didn't we do that movie? <laughs> um, Because it's not on Disney+. Plus. I need to talk to the kids real quick. 
in the mid nineties, for whatever reason, someone had the brilliant idea to do like an updated movie revamp of Casper starring like goth royalty, Christina Ricci, who was fresh off of the Adams family, best Wednesday Adams ever. Um, and Bill Pullman, who, I don't know, I think he was in Back to the Future or some shit. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's my president. I need you to calm down. Oh, that's, wait, wow, that's right, he was the president in Independence uh, Day. To be fair, I think Casper happened before he was my president, but he was my president, and re- you need to pay respect. Remember how, like, they couldn't just say Independence Day, so it was ID4? ID4. Which is like, what happened to the first three IDs? I didn't see those. <laughs> also, the movie starts on July 3rd. Calm down. Right. <laughs> that's why I'm like, you know, why couldn't they have just all, well, no, they needed a data process, so that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> which isn't it amazing how the whole big hook of that movie is him blowing up the White House, which is essentially a huge spoiler because you realize, oh shit, right. uh, the president's wife's on that chopper. But she's she's fine for a little bit until she she's fine until she's not. No, because you're like, oh, aren't you the president's wife? Yes, and she immediately dies. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. She um she has that conversation with Vivica A. Fox about how she's a dancer. And like makes her feel bad about herself, but not uh, not intentionally. It's like unintentionally. Oh, we're not talking about Independence. We're talking about Casper. We're not so mid nineties. I gotta just get this out of here. Mid nineties. Right. Casper turns out they Pinocchio the fuck out of this movie, or it turns out like he turns into Devon Sawa. All of a sudden, every girl I knew was like dumb, horny for a ghost. Yeah, for a for a child. And it was really creepy too, because they're like they're mm-hmm. kids, but then he's like this teen heartthrob, and I'm like, and then there was that song. Until forever, and they do the slow dance and shit, and I was like, "What the fuck is this movie?" It was really good, but it's like, what is happening? However, we are not talking about Casper. We are talking about another Halloween classic, just in time for spooky season. That's right. Let's do it. Ashley, tell the wonderful people what we will be talking about. We're talking about Nightmare Before Christmas. Woo! Jack the Pumpkin King. So, I feel like before we talk about Nightmare Before Christmas, we need to get a temperature check. And Wait, like safety protocol shit? Nah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, because I I worry that the next hour is going to make it seem like I hate this movie and i don't i actually really love this movie and everything that i have to say about it comes from a place of love like i've watched this movie twice this week and not because i had to (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) you just do this on a regular like you are i honestly believe like you are of my list of friends and people i fuck with heavily your halloween season starts in august i i live and breathe spooky season 365 i am the spookiest person don't worry about it i am as inclined to watch this shit in may than i am in october so i love this movie even if i say some shit that might sound contrary to that but i also didn't know this doesn't seem this doesn't seem like 100 percent your vibe so i wasn't sure how you felt about nightmare before christmas i think i accidentally get a lot of people confused because this was a movie that, like, I remember my sister and I begging, like, our dad to take us to go see. Mm-hmm. It was huge growing up, at least in our household and my sister and I both. Because, you know what? It was a nice mashup of both of us. Like, the aesthetic was great. And it's also, like, a kick and musical. Yes. So that was something I think. And also, shout out to Found if you're listening. Hi. 
But it was really big in our household. Like, my father famously loved Oogie Boogie. Matter of fact, when we went to Disney, we got him, like, a little plushie. Nice. And it's, like, it's something that we grew up with. And it's funny. Now my niece is a very big fan of this movie. It's generational. I'm that person who, yes, this is big with Halloween. And, of course, shout out to Night Before Christmas for, like, keeping Hot Topic alive for the last 20 years. Bro, you ain't playing. Because <laughs> just today, on the way to the train, I saw, like, at least three people with, like, Night Before Christmas hoodies and, like, pageant on their backpacks. So we're we're in the thick of it still. <laughs> it has not changed. But, yeah, it's something that I always love. But also, I'm that person who I watch this more around Christmas than I do Halloween. And you're right. Um, watching it, I felt differently because I'm also now a jaded 37-year-old. Yeah. So I also feel like we might skewer it. But again, this isn't from like a place of we're bashing it. We're not doing that podcaster thing where we're all like everything sucks and it's just funny to us. But I don't know. You, you've listened to the, the show and you should. I hope you listen to the <laughs> other episodes. But yeah, I love this movie. Like I love it a lot. Yeah. What's strange is that, like, you mentioned that this was, like, a, a piece of your, like, f- you know, formative childhood. Uh, it wasn't for us. Um, I didn't see this movie until I was in college. What? Really? Yeah. It just, for for whatever reason, it just completely missed our house. And I think it's, it's kind of because my mom is not a spooky person. And I don't know if this gets into your nose, and I'm sorry for jumping ahead. No, you're fine. But for a movie that came out, what, 92, 93? Yeah around there like this movie first off still looks amazing it looks so good stop motion does not get enough love and also just as an aesthetic i look back because like we saw this in theaters and for all the things that creeped me out as a kid which is a lot of random bullshit (laughs) this did not and i love how this movie is equal parts fucked up but super wholesome i don't understand it it's amazing the first time i saw this movie they released it in disney 3d Oh, that was the first time I saw it. God damn, that must have been cool. It was cool. The problem is, shout out to my bespectacled peoples, uh, the 3D (laughs) glasses trend with regular glasses sucked ass. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. It was just one of those where like, it's hard to it's hard to wear two pairs of glasses on one face. But no, it was very cool. And like, I've always been was a kid that enjoyed spooky stuff and sci-fi stuff um so i honestly have no idea how this missed us completely but it did i still i don't actually know if my brother's ever seen this movie wait you mean we're covering something that your brother has not seen this might- <laughs> and again shout out to your brother by the way i know he listens I know at this point, like, we pretty much got him locked in. So if he has not seen it or has not seen it in a very long time, um, definitely watch it and then listen to this. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. It's free. Um, well, it's not free. You have to pay for Disney Plus, but it's fine. <laughs> well, it's free if you have someone else's login. Uh, which I may or may not have, so that's fine. Oh, hold on, real quick. Um, we had talked like a team. Do not condone or endorse using other people's logins, although we totally do, but... The first half negates this part, so yeah, yeah, that's right. Don't Just be claim a, over. Don't be a striminal. Like some of wait, us. is that what it's called? Wait, did you say striminal? Striminal. You, a stream. A striminal. A smooth striminal. <laughs> Netflix, are you okay? Are you okay, Netflix? <laughs> Netflix is like no, <laughs> no, we're not. Have no. you seen? <laughs> Look at this lineup. It's busted. 
<laughs> we canceled since eight for no fucking reason. Right. Oh man. I'm I've so never st- heard the term criminal though. <laughs> God, I feel so old. Is that like a Zoomer thing? I don't. I don't know. God, I'm trying to say Zoomer like I'm so fucking. Anyway, let's get into this movie because my God, I'm digging myself into a massive hole here. Please help me. <laughs> So, can I, I can I take forty five seconds to rant about something unrelated? No, by all means, let's rant. This is our platform. Other people are invited into our home, but we're this is our party. We can wreck whatever the fuck we want. Why is the Disney Plus interface so bad? Oh, you. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, Disney has all the money. Like I'm not exaggerating. They have all the money. Why? Why can't, why is the app pretty much unusable? It's so frustrating. Now you're using a mobile app, right? No, I, um, I watch it on my PS4. Oh, that, oh, yeah. Oh, mm. Don't judge me. I'm not, ju- <laughs> wow, that did sound mad judgy. I'm not, okay, <laughs> that was less a judgment on you. It's more of a, because I should have known because we had that when we were watching Mighty Ducks because I was yeah. watching it like off my laptop or my phone and you're in PS4 and I'm just like, why are these things so different from each other? Yeah, I don't know. This was before um, like ESPN had the rights to hockey and shit because this was back with the NHL TV, well, back when NBC did everything. That was, I had that similar problem where NHL TV worked great on my laptop, but for whatever reason, the app interface on console just sucked major ass. Okay, so it's really, this sounds like it's more of a console problem. I'm not buying a Roku to stream shit on when my consoles do that anyway. I'm, no. (laughs) All right. Everyone else needs to get their shit together. It's not my fucking fault. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh ash i'm sorry like no i get it and it makes sense because i as someone who used to stream off the ps4 a lot that makes sense but back when consoles during like you know the ps3 360 <laughs> era the multimedia hub was like the hot thing yeah it's like all right they gave a little bit of a shit but now that's like people just want to play games on their game consoles well i mean PlayStation people do. I don't Xbox, y'all are in a, somewhere else with that. But like, yeah, it's weird. So I, I feel you on that. Well, sometimes sometimes I want to watch a, a movie on Disney Plus. Sorry, Sony. I'll play your I'll play The Last of Us later. Um <laughs> The Last of Us Part One. Part one. Again. For the third time. <laughs> it's like <laughs> The Last of Us Birth by Sleep. Oh, I, and like me, a person who has purchased the same fucking Mass Effect and Dragon Age games like 15 times should not talk shit about a game being re- remastered and re-released. So I'm not going to. It just seems a little extra to me. That is all. Oh, no doubt. I don't blame you. <laughs> um, The opening score is so good. Danny Elfman, right? This is Danny Elfman. I know he's not everybody's bag, but between this and the Batman theme, I'm just like, and The Simpsons. Like, he's got me. I No complaints. No, like, Danny Elfman ran shit in our childhood. Mm-hmm. Almost every Batman score to this day, to this day, <laughs> has referenced that in some way. So, yeah, 
the the music in this movie, like the score, I mean, fucking top notch. Like it's crisp and it's it doesn't sound dated. Yeah, it's so good. Just big chunks of my notes are just like this thing is good. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> There's certain things that happened in this movie that I felt happened later. Like, because I look at the running time of this movie, because I was like, oh shoot, I didn't have enough time to watch it. And then you're like, oh, it's 74 minutes. It's like barely anything. And I was like, wait, was this only as long as this movie was? But it felt so much longer as a kid. Every time I watch it, there's a there's a chunk in the middle where for about, I don't know, eight to ten minutes, it loses me. And it's in a slightly different spot each time where I just kind of am like, all right, well, my ability to pay attention to this has shut down for a little bit, so it's fine. <laughs> But, yeah, it feels like it should be 90 minutes, and it's not. I do agree. that Okay, so I wasn't the only one that had the issue where there's a part where it felt like there was a bit of a lull, but at the same time, it felt like it was the, the pacing was pretty brisk. Yeah. It usually hits me around Making Christmas, which I like that. I like that song. It's usually, like, the montage shit around that time where I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to, yeah. I'm a shitty millennial. I'm going to look at my phone for a minute. <laughs> and I did around that time. And that is one of my favorite songs on the soundtrack. Yeah. So it is weird that that whole bit. And I think that is a bit of a lull, like around a time where he's starting to set up. And I get it. We have to sort of set up this idea. But I didn't want to stray too far from your notes because anybody who's listened to any of our like big deep dives, your notes are always fun. Because you did start the show by saying you didn't want people to feel like you were bashing it so i wasn't sure like where you were going with that i've got some stuff kind of mixed in okay (laughs) i'm gonna pitch a show i'm gonna complain about a thing and then i'm gonna ask a point of order question (laughs) (laughs) in that in that specific order this is my show pitch it's it's a workplace comedy a la 30 rock and parks and rec but it's just about halloween town that's the show. I will watch the fuck out of that. Because, like, Halloween Town is so fun. It's cool looking. All of the characters are, like, visually interesting and have fun voices. And I like watching them interact. I don't even need it to be, like, Jack Skellington and, and the rest of his friends. Like, I don't need a, you know, a Steve Carell office main character bullshit guy. Like, yeah, no. I I would just watch, like, this week we're paying attention to the four vampires that carry little umbrellas every time it gets sunny out, and I love them because they're cute. <laughs> and this week we're going to follow the little band trio around who I also love. And <laughs> you like that, like, like episodic TV. This is my show. Someone make it for me. I really dig that idea. Like, there was a lot of characters that I honestly hadn't really thought of. I, of course, remember Jack. I remember Sally. I remember Dr. Was it Finkelstein? Finkelstein. But there were a lot of, like, smaller characters. Like, I don't remember the name of, like, the little, like, boy that kind of looked like Pugsley. Mm-hmm. Adams with, like, the sewn eyes. The most adorable little cherub there was. Like, he's so adorable. There's a moment where Sally fogs Halloween Town just before, so, like, Jack can't take off. And he does this, there goes Christmas. And it's... He was so sad. It's so sad. It, like, breaks your little heart. And you're like, this is a little clay boy with no eyes. Like... (laughs) 
<laughs> I should not be feeling these sad feelings right now. I want a spinoff where if we're going to do your pitch, your series, I definitely want more Lock, Shock, and Barrel. Yes. Anytime they were on screen, I was locked the hell in. What I love about this voice cast is that it's like it's like legitimately eight people, and they're all pretty much like voice actors you've never really heard of, and voice actors who haven't done a ton of stuff. And then Paul right. Rubens. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, I recognize that voice from anywhere. Right? <laughs> oh, it makes me so happy every time. The one I would, I think everybody that does voices do a great job. The only thing I would change is the mayor because the guy doing the mayor's voice is doing this like John Goodman impression. And I'm just like, let's just get John Goodman in here. (laughs) John Goodman was busy. Yeah, he was doing, he was doing Roseanne shit. I I fully understand this. Don't bother me. I'm doing King Ralph. (laughs) Actually, that might've been a couple of years earlier. My bad. Because that's right before Flintstones too, right? Yeah. So he, he was doing lots of things. However, I'm saying let's cast him as the mayor because he would fucking kill it. So point of order. I'm about to go like Star Wars on this shit. And we're going to talk politics here for a second because I have questions. So I make a promise here and now to not like cinema sins nitpick shit because that stuff kind of annoys me like it's a claymation town about halloween and holidays and stuff like i am willing to go with a lot that's fine i just think that this is this is a thing that's unclear and so i was wondering if you had any sort of thoughts into it i want to know what jack's role is within the society of halloween town because they call him the pumpkin king does that mean it's a monarchy Because, like, I would assume that the mayor is in charge, being that he is a mayor. But he seems to, he answers to Jack and, like, praises Jack's, like, leadership skills. I I guess I'm, like, the government structure isn't really spelled out, and that's fine. But I'm just sort of, I guess I'm just sort of confused by it, because I'm like, the, the mayor is incompetent and unable to make a decision. And, like, that's, that's the joke. That's the shtick. But everybody's like kind of worshiping Jack Skellington as like this like rock star guy. And I'm like, is it because he's in charge or is it just because like he's cooler than everyone? I take it as the mayor runs the day-to-day stuff, but he's a glorified bookkeeper. Now I don't think Jack is the pumpkin King in an actual like monarch type situation. I just think as far as like, I think you're the second question is he's just cool and everybody else. I guess. Because <laughs> if you're running, ho- if you're going to be in a place called Halloween Town, yeah, someone has to run the daily operations, which is the mayor. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't represent Halloween. Like, he's a bureaucrat. You need someone who's going to, like, actually embody the spirit of Halloween. <laughs> I'm sorry. I swear I did not write that. That was not prepared. Uh... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think he's essentially just that dude who just commands his presence. Like, he just comes in with this swagger and just this commanding. Well, of course, he's got this great booming voice and he just seems to just be a total badass. But at the same time, also not. So 
Because it's like, I felt for him in the sense of like, okay, cool. I can imagine it's like that Simpsons joke where they uh, go to uh, Itchy and Scratchy Land and like the Marge and Homer are at the party where basically like... It's yeah, New Year's Eve all the time. <laughs> and Jack Skeleton is the, <laughs> the waiter who's like, please kill me. Because <laughs> I can imagine doing that every day must fucking suck. Because you're celebrating this holiday all day, damn near every day. Get it the fuck out of my face for a little bit. <laughs> like, at this point, and I almost feel like maybe Jack didn't maybe initially want to be in that position to be the MC of Halloween Town. It's like, I, maybe I just want to just chill and, you know, play PlayStation every so often or something. So, I've watched this movie, like, probably 60 times at this point. And today in watching it like i've had a a read of this movie that i've sort of kept with me and that colors the way that i watch it today i realized that this is an entire movie about career burnout yeah for children (laughs) which is definitely a bit more of a literal read than i think i normally do but like (sighs) no talk shit bergy no no no. like this is (laughs) (laughs) this is a movie about career burnout and that's bleak I mean, to be fair, a lot of kids' movies around this era are very bleak. Yes. And not in a oppressive, nihilistic way, but if you think about it, and this is a no-brainer, which is why I think people, when remembering movies that are past, they're always like, I don't like this new stuff because it's so complicated. I want to go back to the simple stuff without realizing the subtext in a lot of those early movies that they claimed are somehow simpler are about as subtle as a brick through a window. Right. But, yeah, because I can definitely see the career burnout part. But it's also, like, a bit of a cautionary tale. Almost a little bit about greed. Because, like, Jack wants more than... This provincial life. Fuck, I was gonna make the reference. (laughs) Got him. I fucking love you. (laughs) Here goes the skeleton with the tray, like always. (laughs) The same old candy corn to sell. (laughs) All right, well, that's that's the write-up. Thanks for doing my work for me. Good job. Fucking I fuck with BD and the Beast hardcore. Bonjour, bonjour. And also, why did you have to diss my man? He's a baker. Of course he's going to make bread and rolls. Don't be all like, oh, the same old bread and rolls. Like, first off, Belle, relax. Right. All right? Like, dude, I'm trying to make a living here. Also, bread is delicious, and fuck you for saying otherwise. Right. Like... <laughs> But what about the powerful bread lobby that um, Dr. Spishemin and um, <laughs> Tracy were trying to warn us about? That's true. Isn't it true that it rots your brains? That's, that's true. <laughs> Meat is the new bread. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, we're that podcast now. We're just going to find a way to make 30 Rock references all day, every day. And I'm not even upset about yeah, it. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh- <laughs> and Simpsons, of course. <laughs> But yeah, it's just kind of like, you almost feel bad, but then dude ganked a whole other holiday. Like, dude, you could have just made your version without committing a felony. I have a a diatribe about Jack, but I'm going to save it for the end. 
Can we also point out the fact that they're spooky, but everybody seems pretty wholesome. Yeah. And of course they're talking like most of the songs are about like all the fucked up shit that happens, but to them it's quaint and it's cute. No one's really getting hurt because they're all kind of various states of undead anyway. Yeah. However, can we talk about how unhinged like Christmas Town is? <laughs> they have a whole fully functioning fucking military that are willing to shoot people out of the sky on sight. What was that? No, that's not Christmas Town. That's like us. Okay, that would make more sense. <laughs> I also admit, I had a few during my watching. Hey, that's that's fine. It was also midday, but don't worry about it. <laughs> Your boy had a rough day. <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to approach the rest of this movie and the rest of our conversation about this movie in that the, the Pumpkin King thing is a job. That's how I put it in my notes because I wasn't really sure how to talk about it. Because, like... Jack sings in the in the graveyard where he he basically feels trapped by his job, but it's not really a job. I don't really know what it is. Again, I feel like it's a title that they kind of put on him and he just assumed. But I also feel like he enjoyed it. It's not like he hated it outright. It's like that thing of, okay, if this were like a theme park, or it's like the Captain America thing. Mm -hmm. We'll go superheroes. You know, he's doing the stage show, and the first he does it, he's reading off the shield. He's like, every war bond you buy is putting the bullet in your best man's gun. That's right. Kill me now. Now, but then after a while, he's like, hell yeah, I'm Captain America. Watch me knock this dude out 800 times. All right, cool. Now I'm getting into it. I'm getting into a rhythm, and I'm getting the energy. Like, hey, people dig me. Check me out. I got this cool suit. I got this girl who sews stuff together who kind of digs me, even though she's constantly having to escape evil Paul Schaefer. Like, <laughs> you know, but then after a while, it's like, can I get a break? He literally goes on vacation to another place and then wants to move there, essentially. <laughs> this is a movie about burnout. <laughs> Like, can we just, can the Pumpkin King get some benefits? <laughs> Zordon runs the shit. No benefits for you. So Jack is in the graveyard singing about how he feels trapped by his job. And Sally is there being creepy and stalking him. And that sucks. But after he leaves and is all like, you know, I'm trapped in my job. The song's over. Bye. Uh <laughs> And she is, she's gathering herbs from one of the graves. And she sits there and she goes, I know how you feel. And I'm like, no, you don't. I mean, she also is trapped by Dr. Finkelstein where... Right. The movie starts with her trying to kill this dude at least twice. Jack Skellington is creatively stagnated at his job. Sally is a captive laborer. True. <laughs> Those are not the same. But if at their core, <laughs> they're both trapped in their current position. So I can understand maybe it's not a direct correlation, like not in a I know how you feel, like exactly point to point. But they're both basically stuck. I know. But it bothers me that she's like, we are the same. And I'm just sitting there going like, no, girl, your shit is so much worse. I mean, okay, yes, that is 100%. I'm not even going to sit there and argue that. Because in my head, I'm thinking with this movie... When I first started watching, I'm like, they're not really giving me a whole lot. But then I'm realizing a lot of the, the subtle moments is all the character building. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the fact that this movie starts with her trying to poison this dude <laughs> is immediately like, okay, you know for a fact, she does not fuck with homie at all. Right. <laughs> One of the bullet points in my notes is, uh, I am going to take the radical stance that Dr. Finkelstein sucks. 
So, yes. And this is another one of those things, too, and maybe this is like a small town kind of vibe where everybody knows everybody. Nobody's doing anything about it. Right. There's people that they generally don't fuck with, but they're not making it outright because it's not really until Jack starts setting up Christmas where they're like, hey, let's do this thing, but don't tell Oogie Boogie about it, but you're also going to hire people who are close to him to do this thing, which of course he knows it's a necessary evil. Right. Clearly, this dude is a problem. And clearly, even Dr. Fickles needs a problem. But then he shows up and like, well, might as well get everybody involved. But I'm like, fuck this guy. (laughs) (laughs) He sucks. I'm not bothered by the fact that she wants to help him. I guess I'm bothered by the fact that she's bending over backwards to be empathetic to a fault. No, I can understand that. Her shit is so bad. I'm just like, I'm not saying be a selfish bitch, but I'm just like, just get your shit together like 10% more and then you can worry about your non-existent boyfriend. And I can understand that, but I also wonder because if I think about their story and I'm probably way off base and feel free to drag us on Twitter at TLAT podcast, you know, it doesn't quite feel strictly like a romantic thing. I think in a lot of ways, because Jack is who he is, and I mean, I'm sure, obviously, she's fond of him. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of it, too, is he represents something, like, I guess, in probably in other people's eyes, he's seen as a free spirit. Right. You said it yourself. The mayor goes to him as far as what to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that she doesn't obviously like him or vice versa, but I don't think it's strictly just a, like... I want to be your girlfriend kind of thing. But I think it's also more of like an escape. Like, hey, you represent a life that I kind of don't have right now. I know. But she could get that life on her own. She doesn't. (laughs) That's probably something that they could have gotten into if maybe they had more time. or I'm not sure. But that is a a valid point, though. I understand. (sighs) I understand that not... That not every movie needs to be a feminist text. I do get it. I swear. And I'm not necessarily, like, knocking it for not. And also, I don't want to come off like, well, it's not a right or wrong. Like, I definitely get what you're saying. Yeah, they could have definitely given her more agency. She does have enough will. Most of the time, she's trying to get away from Dr. Finkelstein. And most of the time, she kind of succeeds at doing so. Yeah. And maybe that's not the best way to prove that necessarily. She's super cool. Like, I I have mixed feelings in regards to Sally in that I appreciate that she is capable and she impacts her own story. I appreciate that she takes these traditionally feminine things that are sort of looked down upon, like cooking and sewing, and uses them to sort of further herself and further the story. She's cool. I get that. She does cool shit. You know, she has this premonition and then goes and attempts to save the town by using her knowledge about potions and stuff to create this fog shit. And, like, all that stuff is cool. It just, to me, feels very singularly motivated by this, like, obsession with Jack. Basically, like, she's put all of her eggs in this basket that's a dude. And that sucks. (laughs) Um... (laughs) And it kind of feels like if she hadn't realized that she loved him and had these feelings, that she'd be just kind of trudging through life with Finkelstein. And that sucks, too. But I don't know. 
like I said, not everything needs to be read as a feminist text. Sally doesn't have to be a feminist icon, but she is cool, and I do like her. I just would tweak some shit in my script. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not necessarily, and again, I, I hope you don't take this as like this, you know, no. wrong or right, your take is inherently bad kind of idea, because I totally get what you're saying. And maybe this is why I'll backtrack on what I was saying regarding the pacing. Maybe the movie did need at least to be just a little longer to get maybe a little bit more development into the characters because you pretty much have to get to the Christmas stuff very quickly. Yes. But there's a lot of stuff that I think would have been cool to explore, much like the Sally stuff. And even Halloween Town's relationship with Oogie Boogie. Mm Mm-hmm. That we're kind of had to fill in the blanks, but it, you know, between kids' movie, the animation, maybe even like budget limitations. Well, and I know stop motion, for those that don't really know, like stop motion, it's expensive monetarily and it's expensive time wise. It takes a lot of time to film scenes, it takes a lot of money to film those scenes, to create the molds, to make those scenes. Like, this was not a a cheap operation by any stretch of the imagination. And how elaborate this movie was. Mm-hmm. Like it's it felt like a massive undertaking. Yeah. So we get it. Like they had to cram as much into what time that they had. And, you know, we totally understand that being fully grown adults, but I wonder if the movie had the ability to have been a little bit longer. Not by much, but to establish some of the dynamics but again we have to get into the story as quickly as possible right or maybe remove a montage scene and replace it with some character development i love a montage you love a montage the world loves a montage this movie is pretty montage heavy especially in that middle bit and maybe I'm just assuming that that might be a reason as to how they were able to cram so much because without that, you don't really have a lot of time to have like those character building moments. Cause I think in our, cause if you think about a lot of those early like kids movies, at least from the early nineties, a lot mm-hmm. of those movies by and large are very short. Right. And it's funny for all of the complaints that I think people have now in movies where everything's very action heavy, there's very little character development. And even in stuff that's geared more towards younger people have, you know, ability to sort of paste them where people aren't, I think by and large, aren't super turned off by a little bit longer running times. Despite people like, oh, why is Lord of the Rings three hours or why are the Avengers two and a half? Hey, let's not. Let's not call me specifically out. I know, but I also know the people who are complaining about Lord of the Rings being long. Also, the same people didn't realize that, like, Avengers Endgame was, like, almost four hours. So, like, I don't know. Or three hours, I should say. <laughs> but my point is, is that back, you know, I'm not say back, back in our day. But no, but movies are mad short. And it's like they, you know, you have to really just use your imagination just building a lot of that. So I get it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is unfortunate because this is such a cool story. It's such a cool aesthetic. There's so much that you could do. But it's kind of amazing that so much was built off of relatively, like, a a very quick movie. Yeah. I want desperately to know what the other holiday worlds look like. I understand that that's expensive because I gotta make them all and stuff. Because it's Easter, Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day. Christmas, Halloween, and St. Patrick's Day. Those are the doors that you see 
What the fuck does St. Patrick's Day world look like? Why can't I see that? Now, I didn't really look this up, but I wonder if there was a possibility somewhere down the line that this movie would have possibly had follow-ups where maybe we would have gotten to experience some other holidays through the lens of Halloween Town, or would that have been too redundant? So, from what I understand, there were talks at one point to do a sequel, but Tim Burton essentially said, nah. And Henry Selleck, the director, was like, I'll do a sequel if Tim writes something worth doing. And Tim Burton was like, I don't think that it's necessary, essentially. Yeah, but then Corpus Bride happened, which... Is the same, but different. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Spoiler alert, and also confession... I saw that in theaters. I was the only one in the theater and I fell asleep like halfway through. I didn't actually see the whole movie until it came out like on home video. (laughs) And not that it was boring, but like I had this thing where like I would go to the movies like immediately after work. And yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a dark, cool room. You're tired. Sometimes you fall asleep. Except for when you fall asleep during um, a midday crowded screening of the Grand Budapest Hotel and you get kicked out of a movie theater. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not proud of that one either. (laughs) I think that movie is very fine. I don't know. You're talking to the wrong person because I will disrupt this whole podcast and talk Wes Anderson for the remainder. (laughs) And I know you don't want that. Other people might want that. We might actually have to do a Wes Anderson movie at one point you and I can talk about that. There are a few that I think would be very fun. Nice. (laughs) Hell yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Back to action. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so a dumb thing that always makes me laugh. So Jack opens the Christmas tree door and gets to Christmas Town, and the first thing he does when he gets there and lands in the snow is he picks up a handful of snow and he takes a a little bite. (laughs) (laughs) Literally just getting to know the world the same way that my dog or a baby does. Where he's like, I see a foreign object and I'm going to place it in my mouth because that is where it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Always makes me laugh. I'm like, it's so stupid, but it makes me chuckle. I know we went back and forth about whether or not we were going to cover Nightmare Before Christmas Revisited, which was like, what was that, like 2005, 2006? So, Nightmare Revisited, for those who don't know, was an album that came out in 2008 to celebrate the the 15th year anniversary of Nightmare Before Christmas. It's an album of covers of of all the songs from the movie. And uh, some of them rule. And some of them are so bad. The reason why I brought it up is because I have to say, you know me... I'm not a big musical person overall, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why I keep avoiding that one episode. Um, yeah, I know. It'll happen. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> but my Tommy gun don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but like, what's this? If I were to ever do a musical and like, I wish I had the voice and just the overall energy to do a song like that because it is such a good song. It is such mm-hmm. a great number. 
But they gave it to Flyleaf. Thank you. Whom by 2008, we were kind of already done with. And no disrespect, Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot to unpack there. I get it. As Ashley would say, mad Jesus-y, but whatever. I still listen to the songs (laughs) when they were out. It sucks. It sucks so hard. And it's funny, in one of the YouTube comments, because I did this on YouTube because I was not fucking up my Spotify algorithm for this. No disrespect. No, that's but it fair. was like, no, and I, I do love a lot of the songs. Now, by itself, it's not a bad song, but I don't give that to Paramore. I'm going to say a thing and it's going to hurt me. I need you to understand this. Oh, no. All right. There's a version of what's this that Fall Out Boy did that's really good. Precisely because the version of what's this in the movie is very fun. The fun comes from the, like, frenetic energy of it. It's him literally being like, I'm in this whole new place. I don't understand what this is. It's like a stream of consciousness, very energetic thing. And instead of slowing it down and making it into a fucking lullaby that makes me want to light myself on fire, Patrick Stump and and the rest of Fall Out Boy channel that energy. Because it's, you know... Pop punk is really easy to sort of get into that high energy place. You're not going to understand what the hell he's saying, but... Nah! Luckily, I know the lyrics to the song, so that helps. Uh, (laughs) But it's good. It's really good. Man, I'm I'm learning some shit tonight. This is wild. (laughs) This Flyleaf version is easily the worst cover on this album. It's so bad. The music is... So good in this movie. And I mm-hmm. think in a lot of ways, this was made for the Broadway stage. Mm-hmm. This is a good stage play. I was made for the stage. <laughs> <laughs> I really had to remember just how much I loved this. And I was starting to do that thing where I'm already ready to be like, this didn't age as well as I would expect it. But very few things age well when looked at through a modern lens, I realized. Right. But now it's this thing where nostalgia became a four-letter word, mm-hmm. which I also disagree with. Because just because you're nostalgic for something doesn't mean you're so blindly devoted to it. But with that said, within, I would say, like, five, ten minutes, I'm like, oh, shit. Now I'm that kid watching this on VHS. (laughs) Or I'm that kid who I'm so hyped that we got to watch this in our school instead of doing, like, schoolwork. And I was ready to take notes and kind of skewer this. And not, like, in a hateful way. Because it's like, we did Fast and Furious and we talked shit. But we love those movies, or at least I do. Yeah, they're great. But it's like, I was ready to do the same thing here, but then I'm like, fuck, like, I need my hoodies, I need jack-o'-lanterns <laughs> made everywhere. You, made you want to go to Hot Topic and buy a hoodie? Hell yeah. Like, <laughs> give me my him or my Avenged Sevenfold hoodie. <laughs> oh my god. Give me my wristbands. <sighs> like, let's go. Like, like, give me my overpriced Smiths, Queen is Dead, t- oops, maybe. Alright, maybe I should, should I cut that part out? <laughs> no, that's fine, it's perfect. The Queen... The queen died. It was cool. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me my Smith's Queen. It's like, give me my pseudo godship because I couldn't really get fully decked out. But give me all of the angst. This movie made it okay for people to be into spooky shit and not be seen as like, oh, God, it's those people. You know what I mean? Like, it, it made, I think it really did kind of make it a little acceptable. 
it helped to sort of create, there's kind of like two paths. Well, there's more than two paths, but like there's sort of two paths to spookiness where you can be that person that's obsessed with like gory horror movies and kind of comes off as a little like psychopathy. And then there's like this now, this other alternative where you're like, I like cute spooky stuff. Right, because I realize I'm not the horror movie Halloween person. I guess I'm just not that person. Not that I don't enjoy some horror movies, but I'm not, like, super into them that I know, like, a lot of my friends are. And again, no shade, mm -hmm. but this is more up my alley. Like, this or, like, the Simpsons Halloween specials or, like, the stuff that's a little more, like, for, like, a better term, whimsical. And I explained it to you, because I had a friend ask me recently because she was trying to suggest a show. And she was like, do you, I, I forget, do you like scary movies? And I'm like, yes and no. I like spooky shit. I do. Uh, what I don't like is overly gory, like torture porny. Yeah, that's not my vibe. That kind of shit. Jump scare heavy shit is not. Yeah. Weird. It's like, that's not quite scary. That's just more of like. I got a weak heart here. Come on. <laughs> right. And. I have bad anxiety, y'all, so, right. like... <laughs> it is easily startled up in here. Says the same person who will sit there and play, like, the Resident Evil games and then wonder, like, why you're having such a bad time. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, we all got catfished, by the way. Resident Evil 8 came out, and we're like, where's Tall Vampire Lady? And she's in that <laughs> game, spoilers, for all, like, three minutes. The rest of that game is <laughs> fucked up. Everybody, li everybody lined up to get stepped on, and she was not. And even I there. was pushing people out of the way to get in front of that queue. I'm just gonna flat out say it: we got catfish, and you know what, Capcom, you know what you were doing, and I hate you for it. Oh my god! Meanwhile, I'm, I'm very excited for the DLC, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this movie, and it's, I think in and of itself, it's good. It's a fun movie. Again, you can watch it during Christmas. You can watch it during Halloween. You can just watch it during Flag Day for all I care. That's right. But I think what it did for, I don't know, I don't want to say goth culture, but I think in a lot of ways, this was a lot of people's gateway into several subcultures. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool for what it represents. When Jack comes back from Christmas Town and is driving the sleigh into Halloween Town, he has these little steampunk goggles on. It's a really small, like, visual detail that I just think is really cute, where I'm like, look at those little <laughs> goggles. Stupid. <laughs> and also, um, Zero, the greatest thing ever. Yes, I also took the radical stance that Zero rules in my notes as well. <laughs> like, we needed all the Zero. Right? And it's so adorable with the sleigh, and he's, like, he's, he's guided sleigh, it's like little Rudolph. His nose is a jack-o'-lantern. It slaps. Oh, when Zero is, like, asleep? He's so cute. Like, do you even need to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just a little ghost dog. He's just vibing. <laughs> so, if you were anyone in this movie, who would you be? Tag yourself in this movie. Because I have an answer. I think there's characters who I think I would want to be, but I'm really a, a mashup of Lock, Shock, and Barrel just mixed up together. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I identify with this so much. And I'm not even anything on their vibe, but it's like, I just yeah. dig that, just that chaos vibe where they're yeah, that's right. terrible, but they're very sweet at the same time. They're like the Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, they're doing their best. 
First they're sour, then they're sweet, and then they accidentally kidnap the wrong holiday mascot. <laughs> so I am the guy who points and yells bunny very loudly when they accidentally kidnap the Easter bunny. That's who I am oh, in this movie. Poor Easter bunny was so scared. <laughs> I know, but that guy's fucking hype to see a giant bunny. And right? you know what? I would be too. <laughs> My favorite thing in this entire movie is when Jack is doing the tests to, to try and understand Christmas when he's doing the scientific experiments, <laughs> and he breaks the ornament into some boiling water and it lets off this glow. The line that he says is perfect. It's my favorite thing where he goes, interesting reaction, but what does it mean? It's <laughs> so silly. <laughs> I loved in that like that same sort of sequence the chalkboard equation. Yes. <laughs> We've got chestnuts divided by open fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I know I'm not the biggest math expert, but I know that's not how math works, but it's amazing. <laughs> and that inquisitive look on his face like it really did remind me of that montage in The Simpsons when Homer's trying to make breakfast for Mr. Burns. Yes. And he keeps fucking it up. He's like, hmm. <laughs> of course, you know, bookended by like him pouring milk into a bowl of cereal and the bowl catching fire. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of radical stances, this podcast takes the radical stance that The Simpsons is good. Yes, we might have to cover some of those. You know, I don't know. I'm almost tempted to do some of the Treehouse of Horror, but I know there's some of those where, like, they actually legit still, like, fuck with my head. Basically, the era in which Marge would come out and do the disclaimer, like, those were the episodes where it's like, they needed that. Because, <laughs> goddamn, some of that gets really, like, wild. <laughs> the The one where Homer sells his soul for a donut. I think that's, like, peak treehouse of horror right there there's a few that were screwed up but one of my favorites though the one where the toaster ends up having him like transport to like all these alternate realities that's the one that where he like ends up in this like the 3d world i don't think it's the same one because the one i'm thinking of where it's like he goes into the kitchen there's something weird where like the one where like maggie like kills somebody and of course he's like she's like talking with a really deep voice whatever but then there's like the one where like he goes into the the kitchen, like, everything's, like, really beautiful. Like, everybody's well-dressed. It's a beautiful house. And it's like, all right, everything's perfect. And he's like, oh, cool. It's like, oh, can I have a donut? And they're like, what's a donut? And he freaks out. I do remember that And then one. he's like, oh, it's raining again. And it's like, it's raining donuts. And I'm like, <laughs> that was right up there with, like, the episode of Sliders when he comes back home. And he's like, oh, this can't be my home because the gate doesn't squeak. Like, oil doesn't fucking exist. So I'm like, ah. You did not just reference sliders on here. Yes. <laughs> one of the you? most... No, that episode, I was like, I'm done with this show. <laughs> it's like, really? That was the only thing that was wrong? Why wouldn't you just stay there, you moron? The gate is the least of your worries. That's the thing that somehow made it not real for you? <laughs> what a dumb, poorly written plot line. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, that was the dumb thing about sliders. Um, wow. All right. 
watched like one episode of Sliders. That's I. I'm just being. Look, an Sliders was for people, for kids who thought Quantum Leap was for their parents. All right. <laughs> I do remember the the Sliders theme song kind of slapped. Hey, we're sliding. We're sliders. Uh, uh, we're sliders. <laughs> There's a portal. Where does it go? Where does it stop? We don't know. Sliders. Uh, uh, we're sliders. Uh, uh. That's not how that went, by the way. No, I. Yes. Um. <laughs> anyway, what we're. Oh yeah. I want to talk from- about Oogie Boogie. Let's talk about Oogie Boogie. The best thing in this fucking movie. So. I think there's something to be said about a villain that is just evil because being evil is fun hexus and fern gully thank you very much it's a thing that doesn't really happen that much anymore like i sat around and thought about it and i was like the only person i can really think of that kind of fits that mold is like maybe loki but like loki's not really even a villain he's just more of like a dude kind of fucking shit up for fun he just likes chaos he's not really evil though we want to be more well-rounded in our villains. But sometimes I just like the idea of just like, I'm just evil. Yeah. But also, and obviously everybody's aware, and Jack it makes a point of like, we don't want to get him on our radar. Right. So is that a thing like they leave him to his own devices? Like, that's a dynamic I wish we got to explore more. Because it kind of seems like he is just like almost imprisoned in his little gambling lair. Boogie Boogie's on some like... You want to step too far, my guy. Like, yeah. you need to chill all the way out. So we're not going to kill you because we don't murder here. We talk about cutting heads off and stuff, but we don't actually. Right. It's it's all fun here. Right. But you know, this is not, this is not OK. Also, you kind of remind me of the ghost from the Ghostbusters logo. <laughs> By like spooky. Yes. <laughs> but he also has an amazing singing voice so it's like yeah. i mean is he really all that bad he, he, he can create a bop right he rules his song rules the like black light aesthetics rule the gambling shit rules like it's all the oogie boogie part of the movie is very good we like oogie boogie i said we'd talk about jack at the end because I have, like, some complicated feelings about Jack. Because Jack is kind of just a fragile white guy. <laughs> and, um... Because, okay, so his whole thing in this movie is basically like, woe is me. And then he sort of just, like, lets his ego trick him into changing his perspective on things. Like, it's some, like, hot topic tony robbins shit and that's why i feel like the oogie boogie of it all feels weird because it's like okay you have to give this movie an antagonist but i would almost argue that i mean as much as i love him he's not necessary no and don't tell anybody i said that because like <laughs> i said i love the character and i just finished seeing his praises but yeah because yeah. it's jack's own ego and ambitions because again like I say he could have just made christmas and had been inspired and maybe tried to find a way to incorporate that into halloween town in some way right not to the point where you're kidnapping santa claus and you're making other kids sad or whatever because then at that point now these kids were out of christmas and now the halloween people who were all jazzed about this are now also going to miss out congratulations you literally ruined christmas and i know you use that joke a lot but he actually ruined christmas right well, and 
it, he's essentially just like the stand-in for this like fragile male ego who doesn't listen to logic or reason because like sally literally tries to tell him multiple times that this is a bad idea and he just talks over her and we as the audience are supposed to like jack and sympathize with him and i don't and can't are we i don't I, that everybody seems to like him and i'm just like he kind of sucks I mean, we can like him, but also understand that he kind of sucks. <laughs> Deeply flawed, but I don't know. I didn't see him as unlikable. I'm not going to sit here and also say that he's also the greatest guy in the world. But I don't know. I guess to me, it's the it was nice to see at least your main character kind of be flawed and maybe a little fucked up. But I don't know. I guess it makes for a more compelling story that way. I suppose that being said watching it this time with that sort of idea of burnout kind of more in the forefront of my mind did make me like him maybe eight percent more <laughs> it's okay to be excited about things and it's okay to find something to be passionate about mm -hmm. but getting so hyped about something that you don't quite really understand or maybe comprehend what it is. It's just like this thing of like, okay, here's this new thing. But this thing that you're passionate about, it's making you happy. But is this something that's actually like good? Or is this just, you know, you just like, it's hard to explain. Like, I don't know if this is making any sense. Right. Like, essentially, like, is you interfacing with this a net positive? Right. Because you can like something and you can want to do something with your whole heart, but that doesn't necessarily make it a good idea. So, yeah, I guess then, like to go back to your point is it is burnout because like you're so into something to a point where it becomes an obsession and you're not really taking care of yourself. And to the point where now it's becoming detrimental to you mm -hmm. and detrimental to others tangentially because now they're also kind of caught up in this. Yeah. Yeah, they seem like they were on board with it, but it also just brought them a heap of trouble because, again, you didn't have to take this guy with you. Well, and the residents of Halloween Town didn't understand, like, the whole, like, meeting song was Jack trying to explain something that he didn't completely understand to a group of people who also didn't understand. So, you know, you're playing telephone with an idea and it just, it didn't work. It wasn't surprising that it blew up in everybody's faces. Speaking of the town meeting song on the Nightmare Revisited soundtrack, the Polyphonic Spree does a version of that song that is better than the original. It's better than what's in the movie. Do not at me. It's amazing. But if you want to add her um, Instagram, <laughs> let me know. I'm sorry. It's fine. Um, come at me. I will defend my position there. I like this a lot. And I think this is something that I would hope to revisit. And again, it's been a long time. So I do appreciate you bringing this up because it had been a while. And it was kind of hard to sort of reconcile younger me with older me kind of sifting through. But the fact that we could talk about this movie, what, over 30 years later? Right. We're still finding things to discuss. I think that's pretty successful in my book. Yeah. Cool movie. Good job. Tim Burton had almost nothing to do with it. So good job, Henry Selick, the director who did all the work. Well, and this is also at a time when, like, Tim Burton's printing money, like, hand over fist. So, yeah, it was a branding thing. Real quick. How do you feel about the romance in this movie? 
I'm one of those people that I'm not necessarily against it, but it has to make sense for the movie. But I also know that in every project, especially a high, and I'll just say this and leave it at that, Mm -hmm. like in any sort of very large, like, but especially with a studio, you want to try to get as many people in as possible. So you have to kind of hit as many beats, like I guess they would probably fit. Some of that felt earned. Some of it maybe didn't. But I also know that we're kind of starting in the middle, so to speak, with a lot of these characters. So right. I'm kind of forgiving because obviously we're realizing we're really strapped for a time. And like we have to kind of move through things quickly. So I figured they were just sort of starting in the middle of something that we hadn't already been privy to. And I agree. I just like I'm I'm fine with it in that like you know this is a a movie based on a poem about switching holidays and we've got to shove some heteronormativity in there to I don't know sell movie tickets to parents or whatever. I guess as far as like the the Jack and Sally of it all, I don't understand why like this romance in particular has been placed on this like pedestal. Like it's literally referenced in a blink 182 song i don't know it's fine as a romance and they're they're characters that make sense together it doesn't seem like it goes above and beyond to me i think it's fine so i guess that's gonna be it for us you can find us online at the many places that we are online we are on twitter at tlat podcast um we are also on instagram at tlat podcast we have an email address that is tlat podcast at gmail.com we've got playlists on spotify those are fun love those you can find us on many streaming platforms where streaming is a thing um and don't be a criminal that's, that's the thing that's right be, that's bad <laughs> don't don't steal streams uh also don't don't cross the streams that's also bad um. oh <laughs> it is easier to tell you don't get swallowed by a skeleton whale <laughs> all right that's the last time we do this all right next Halloween episode we're doing uh we are getting someone we're hiring somebody because i cannot my lungs i'll do the spooky voices <laughs> next time <laughs> Say it with me now. Me is a new brand.